0: Hey everyone, welcome back for another episode of Gospel Nate, the show where we look into the Word of God to see how He wants us to live. Last week we went over judging a brother and speaking evil of them. We saw that to speak evil of someone was to slander their name or their image. We also saw that if you are slandering someone, then you already have a judgment in your heart against them. We dug into what that means for the law, and we saw that judging a brother means that we are also judging the law. We believe the law was insufficient to do its job. We also saw that we are no longer under the law. This means that if we judge a brother, we do not believe that Jesus was sufficient to do his job and deal with them. So no matter how we looked at this, we are not getting away with getting into judgment. It just doesn't work. Judgment got us into the flesh and the flesh would always bring us death. With that said, let's pray and dive into our next passage. Lord, we thank you for this day. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are patient and that you are sufficient to deal with all things if we allow you to. Lord, if we just submit these things to you and submit our hearts to you, that you can handle anything that comes our way, because you already know how to handle it all. And we give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's begin in James chapter 4, verses 13 through 14, again reading from the New King James Version. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time, and then vanishes away. This whole thing is pretty straightforward. Let's start with the word, know. In verse 14, it says, whereas you do not know. This is our Greek word, Epistemi. It means to have over-knowledge, or knowledge that is superimposed over your understanding. In this particular usage, it is to have your mind set over the understanding of what is to transpire. In layman's terms, you have no clue about the future. The passage goes on, For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time, and then vanishes away. Without getting too crazy with the Greek, he is asking, What kind of existence do you have? How long will you stick around? How durable is it? Of what nature is it? Do you even know? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. In the Greek, it pretty much says exactly this. Have you ever seen a vapor, or how about fog, right? Everyone has seen fog at some point. Vapor, fog, steam, they're all the same thing. They're an intermediary state. That means that they are something in the middle as water turns from a liquid to a gas, or gas turns back into a liquid. In this semi-gas state, it is pulled and pushed by airflow Anytime wind blows. If you have steam rising from a pot of water, you can blow on it and make it quote-unquote disappear. Generally, steam has a very short lifespan. As the molecules vibrate faster and faster, they move farther and farther apart. When that happens, it's as if it vanishes. So when you have steam rising out of a pot and you blow on it, that puff of air is enough to push the molecules of water further apart, therefore causing them to ostensibly disappear. Our lives are exactly like that. We are born and in no time, we are gone. We think our lives are long, Someone reaches, you know, 102 years old, and everyone is all impressed. And yet, you were just some steam vapor that took a tiny bit longer to pass than everyone else. I want so bad to get into a discussion on time right now, and I technically have the time to do it, but also time is technically short, and I have to keep going. So just like vapor, we don't control our lives. To quote Nicole Kidman from Days of Thunder as she was giving Tom Cruise a wake-up call, control is an illusion, you infantile egomaniac. Nobody knows what's gonna happen next, not on a freeway, not in an airplane, not inside our own bodies, and certainly not on a racetrack with 40 other infantile egomaniacs. And yet somehow, in our lives, we think we have some sort of control or foreknowledge of what's gonna happen from one moment to the next. We in our brilliance think we know a thing or two about a thing or two. We think that our plans are solid and that they will be effective. And yet God's word says differently. If we jump over to Proverbs 16 verse nine, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. And again, Proverbs 19:21, there are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel that will stand. Another way of reading these verses would be, man plans and God laughs. We go about our day, day after day, without ever asking what the Lord would have us to do. And yes, that even goes for the mundane things. I know that's not easy to do either. I've taken the time to actually do that very thing. It gets easy to just do the things the way you typically do them without actually thinking about asking for input. But once you get into the habit of asking the Lord, step by step, it really does change everything. Now, bear in mind, I'm not meaning this as a guilt trip or as a claim, if I did it, then everyone ought to be doing it every single day, all the time. I did this for about two weeks. Every action was run by Jesus before I did it. It shaped my work area and changed the flow and function I got into a routine that Jesus set up, and then I got lazy and started running things how Jesus had them last set, and it worked out well until the day I quit and moved on to something else. Now, don't get me wrong, I do still run things by Jesus, but honestly, not as often as I ought to. I'm not perfect, and that's not a cop-out or an excuse, because ultimately, if we're not running things by him to get his input, What are we even doing with our lives? How much relationship are we actually having with him? We don't know what's going to happen next in our lives. So, here's a quick story time. During the time I was running my activities at work by Jesus, I had an event happen. I was walking into one of my sections at my job. Uh, I was responsible for washing debris off of ceramic parts. I stepped into the wash area and asked the Lord what I should do next. He directed me to a bucket of parts sitting on the shelf and told me to wash those. Now, in my infinite wisdom, I looked at the paperwork and saw that it wasn't due for another week, maybe a week and a half, and I, you know, wisely brought it before the Lord and said, um, this isn't due for a while. Are you sure you want me to do these parts? And he responded very succinctly, wash those parts. So... Yes, you know, I I can be slow to be obedient as well, and I'm not the type of person that just says automatically every time, oh, well, the Lord said to do this, so we're just going to do this. I oftentimes do engage in a little bit of dialogue with him. His answer never changes, just so we're clear on that. So I didn't argue the point with him. I just went and washed the parts. I dried the parts, and then I sorted them for good parts, boxed them up, and put them on a shelf. My understanding, those parts were gonna sit there on that shelf for quite a while. Less than 20 minutes after I boxed those parts and put them up on the shelf, my boss comes busting into my work area, paper in hand, and frantically telling me that the customer just bumped up the due date on a part number, and as soon as I saw those parts, I needed to get them washed, sorted, and down to her area as fast as possible. So I took a second and I looked at the paperwork in her hand and the part number was the part number I had literally just finished. So I pointed at them and I was like, you mean those parts right there? And she just kinda looked at them, eyes popping out of her head and looked at me, asked, how did you know to do those? And I just smiled and she smiled back nervously and grabbed the box of parts, ran out of the room, and that was the last I saw of her for that day. But the point is, is that God knew those parts were gonna come due sooner than the paperwork that I was supposed to be relying on said they were going to be due. Because I listened to him, because I ran what I needed to do next by him, things were already set up to have everything done before anyone else knew it was going to need to be done. If I had just followed along with the paperwork, nobody at my job would have faulted me. But I gained advanced knowledge and advanced revelation of what needed to happen next because I submitted that situation before the Lord. And this is the very sort of thing that we need to be doing on a very regular basis. And again, it's not something I think about every single minute of every single day, but it really ought to be because nothing's going to get you in tune to what the Lord's trying to do with your life more than having that constant interaction and that constant relationship with Jesus. Our passage goes on in James four, verse 15. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. So I learned something that day, that if the Lord wills, I will wash this or that would be a good way of putting it. Because there's no way to know what's coming down the road without that input from him. And this is going to take humility and submission because in all honesty, I really did think I knew a thing or two about a thing or two. I thought I understood what needed to be done based on the information that was in front of me. But there was no way for me to know what was gonna be happening next in the future So it required me to submit what I was doing before the Lord to get his input to know what to do next, which also requires a little bit of humility because in all honesty, if you think you know what needs to happen, are you going to look at Jesus and say, well, Jesus, what do you think? Most people would say no, because that's the truth. You wouldn't think to ask him. So we're right back to those same two words of submission and humility. We're not getting away from them anytime soon, we really aren't, because our whole relationship with him is dependent on that submission and humility. The passage goes on to say in James 4.16, But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Arrogance is the Greek word alazonia. It means an insolent and empty assurance based on its own power, ability, and resources, Did someone say Jeremiah 17, five through six? Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord, for he shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land which is not inhabited. No wonder James says that all such boasting is evil. You are for all intents and purposes negating Jesus you're saying, I got this Jesus, I do not need you. I'm not saying that making plans is wrong. Planning is important. Without plans and procedures, we devolve into abject chaos. If you go back to Proverbs 16 and 19, you see that we make plans all the time, but the Lord's counsel will stand when it is all said and done. And if we allow him, he will direct our steps. We know where we want to go in life, most of the time anyways, we can make the plans to get there. Let the Lord lead your steps on the way. Also, be ready to change directions quickly. Most of the time, God has something better planned for us than we will have planned for us. And it will take us down a very, very different path from what we envisioned. Taking him out of the picture is evil and will ultimately result in living out a curse in your life, Jeremiah 17, five through six. Our passage concludes with James 14, verse 17. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is a sin. If you perceive that there is good to be done and you do not do it, then you are living in sin. I know this verse sounds like it's not part of this passage, but it is wrapping up the chapter. We've gone over friendship with the world, We've hammered humility and submission, and we will continue to hammer humility and submission. We've touched on judgment, we've looked at having a truly broken heart over sin that is causing death in our lives. Therefore, if you see a good work that needs to be done, or an area in your life that needs to be submitted, or slander that needs to be stopped by either speaking up or not participating, or pride that needs to be humbled in ourselves, and you do not do it, then to you, it is a sin. It's sort of like seeing a burning building and doing nothing to help the people inside. I know this message was a short one, but this is the end of the chapter. Remember that we are here for a very, very short time. Just like a vapor, we disappear quickly. We do not know what the future holds. We should be involving Jesus in our day-to-day business. And this relationship is the most important one in our lives. Without it, our marriages and our friendships do not function as they ought to. As children of God and brothers and sisters in Christ, we desperately need that relationship with Jesus. There's no getting around it. And as I have said before, none of this happens without your permission. Jesus will not come against your free will. It has to be by your choice or not at all. And if not at all, then you are the only one to blame for the issues. There's no one else to blame. And with that, let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this time that we've had with you. Lord, we thank you for your word and we thank you that you have given us all access to interface with you, to relate with you, to get your input on the different things that we have going on in our lives. Lord, that we aren't alone in this. So Lord, as the hearers of this message have heard what you have to say in your word, Lord, we ask that they would be blessed by it. Father, that whatever needs to be remembered would be burned into our minds. That we would carry it with us all day long. And that each person hearing this would take the time to ask you to give input on what needs to happen next. And Lord, that they would hear your voice clearly without hindrance. And we give you the praise for all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, folks, that concludes chapter 4 of James. Next week, we'll be getting into Chapter 5. Look forward to seeing you then. Until then, be blessed and be at peace.